Hello listeners, and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing energy matters in an informal setting. This week, we discuss the Nordic region. Some areas continue to be hit by record high wholesale power prices, while others, particularly in the north, have some of the lowest prices in Europe. What does this disparity mean for companies and consumers in the region? What is the outlook going forward amid ever-growing calls to re-regulate the market and government intervention? Joining me, Richard Svarsson, to talk about the most pressing issues in the Nordic energy market are two of the region's most prominent experts. Hello, Sigbjörn Selan of Stormgeo. Always good to have you on the pod. I hope you're well. I'm fine, thank you. Hope you're well. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. All good. And, and also a warm welcome to Marius Holm-Renderson of Tema Consulting. How are you, Marius? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much, Richard. Excellent. Excellent. Let's start by talking about the war in Ukraine and the wider energy crisis. Has it made a tight supply situation even worse? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the tragic war in Ukraine definitely uh, creates an additional uh, uncertainty in, in, uh, the, in the power market. And um, the gas market, of course, is uh, extremely important for the price development we, uh, we see across Europe. Uh, what's happening with the gas flows from Russia going forward would uh, directly impact the power prices. And... Uh, and we see just a few days ago that uh, that Gazprom uh, stopped to deliver deliver gas to to Ersted. So I think uh, the uncertainty is there, and uh, it definitely means uh, a lot for uh, for power prices the, the coming months uh, and, and coming year or two as well. I think we will return to to that those areas in particular, um, the implications and the outlook. But in the Nordic region. Little or no power is produced from gas-fired generation, yet it's a key price driver, as you, as you've already said, uh, Myers. So has this, you know, has this led to to calls in in some Nordic countries to reform the wholesale power market, uh, as there have been, as we've seen in France, Spain, Italy? Uh, Sigbjorn, if I can ask you there. No significant changes. You know, you have uh, the household electricity bill is is. Uh, subsidized in uh, Norway and I guess in, in Sweden as well uh, due to the extreme high uh, prices but uh, but there is no sort of reform of the uh, electricity market that I would say has uh, has served us uh, very well for 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 decades uh, now so uh, well we see obviously unusually high prices. Uh, yeah, that's it in a way. Mm. Mm, that's it. So, because in in France and Spain in particular, there have been calls to to look at or reform, you know, the marginal module in the wholesale power market as more and more power is going to be produced from renewables or or non fossil fuel based stuff. But this is not an issue in the Nordic region. Then, um, yeah, there there are always uh, you know voices arguing for for such a change. But but uh, as I see it, it's it's not really on the uh, agenda and. Uh, and uh, I would say it is not really called for uh, either. It's uh, the the market uh, the market uh, works uh, well, ser- serves us well. I would say so. So there is no. Uh, I, I wouldn't say there is a, there is a, a a broad call for any any market reforms. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your view here, Maris? What are, what are you hearing out there? 
No, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's it's changing a bit. I mean, the industry is not too happy now, of course, um, and and they would look like to look at, at different options. Uh, I think the the politicians um, feel the, a bit pushed to do something, uh, and and what that something is, it it remains to be to be seen. Uh, but but you know in Norway we now have the the energy commission uh, that will work over the uh, the coming year um, and and they have quite a, a broad mandate to to look at different things but you know right now I don't see uh, foresee any any large changes over over the coming coming months or so as you see for example in in Spain uh, where they put a cap on gas prices. Well, how about you mentioned industry, uh, you know, and then they're struggling. I and mean, the Nordic region is home to, you know, very big aluminium producers, you know, steel producers, etc., paper and pulp. Um, are are these companies struggling at the moment? Are they maybe urging putting pressure on on politicians or policymakers? Well, uh, you know, most of the really large aluminium players, large industrial companies do have, have PPAs and, and don't feel that price increase directly as, as we speak. I think um, it's rather the kind of medium-sized companies uh, that haven't been able to, to fix their power prices that uh, struggle more with, uh, with the price development we've seen over, over the past six months or so. Uh, so I think... The push will rather come from them than uh, than the big uh, the big aluminium uh, pulp and paper etc. Mm, no, interesting. I mean, Sigmund, if I can turn to you, I mean, th- there's there's a constant discussion in the Nordic region about the the price areas, the differences in prices, and the difficulty to hedge uh, and and the impact on liquidity. I mean, how how is it working at the moment? How are companies coping with this massive variation in price difference? Yeah, I think that's a big challenge for for many uh, companies, and, and you see, you know, more and more uh, companies uh, saying that they are now uh, sort of opting out of the Nasdaq financial market. It it doesn't serve their uh, needs, you know, and and this system system price that has served uh, the market. Uh, well for many many years as a hedging tool that's that's not a hedging tool for for, for no one anymore so obviously there is uh, uh, there is uh, challenges and and and, and uh, players they seek you know ppas and bilateral uh, contracts and you see that uh, that um, uh, you know turnover in the financial market is just decreasing from month to month and has reached really low low levels so so uh, there is no uh, quick fix to that solution you know, you know everybody in the market expects this big area price differentials to continue for years uh, and, and, and 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 yeah that that's definitely the most likely uh, situation so so obviously you need to find otherwise other ways to hedge your future production or uh, con- consumption if if you if you decide to, that that is still what you would like to do. I mean, when we just when you think liquidity has hit uh, the bottom, then it falls even further. I mean, uh, you, you know, what what are you hearing? What's your view here, Maris? No, I, I totally uh, agree with with Sigbjorn here. I mean, it's it's been 
challenging for for quite some some time uh we've seen liquidity basically going down over the last uh, decade or so um and and what's also challenging i think for many of the uh of the market participants is well the system price is one thing but the liquidity on on the epads uh the area prices is is also very low and it's it's difficult to uh to to use them for hedging purposes so um so so many are, are struggling with that right now Mm. Would you advise some of your customers or your clients to to go for more look to bilateral deals and PPAs as Sigmund is going rather than use use the system price and 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 the forward market? Yeah, I think at least you should be uh, very aware of what you can use the, the system price for and and not and and uh, we've seen a push towards PPAs uh, over the last few years. That's been driven by by other things. I mean, we've uh, seen that most PPAs have been. Uh, connected to specific uh, projects uh, with the model we have in in wind power where we have a developer developing the the uh, the site and and selling it to a fund or or a financial owner that really needs a PPA there to do the project financing um, we now maybe see a, a shift out from that as as there's basically a stop to uh to wind power, onshore wind power in norway uh, but we'll definitely also see more ppas uh, done with statkraft and other hydropower producers kind of against their their full portfolio and less project specific ppas i, I would think so are these kind of deals taking taking liquidity out of the forward market is that quite clear is that quite um uh you know could is that what you can say here sigmund yeah absolutely you know uh, the liquidity is is uh, is about to disappear completely from <clears throat> from the nasdaq you know system price futures market so uh i, I guess overall you know um, <clears throat> hedging volumes are much lower than they used to be but uh, but uh some volumes obviously um, shifts from the uh, Nasdaq financial market to to PPAs and uh, and bilateral uh, contracts, but overall the volumes are much lower than they used yep. to be. Let, let's talk a little bit about prices now. On average, so electricity prices in southern Norway have been around 160 euros a, a megawatt hour so far this year. Is this a level you can see uh, continue for the rest of the year, Sigbjorn? Yes, uh, absolutely. I would say most likely they will be even a bit higher for the rest of uh, uh, the year and through uh, you know Q1 next year. You know, water reservoirs in in southern Norway are are very low. Inflows to the reservoirs below and below normal for for the rest of uh, the summer. So it means that power prices in southern Norway, southern Scandinavia will be strongly um, affected by prices in in mainland Europe and and also in uh, UK for a long time, and and we all know how high they are. So um, yeah, absolutely, there are no sort of relief in sight in in that sense for for uh, electricity consumers in in southern Norway and southern Scandinavia. I would say. Mm. Do you share this view, Marius? I mean, could one say that the electricity producers have been guilty of sort of emptying the reservoirs 
too soon, really? Well, that's uh, that's difficult to say. I mean, uh, with the uh, the new interconnectors we have, uh, I mean, you can you can export more, but you can also import more, right? So so that gives uh, an additional flexibility. Um, also, you know, if it turns out to be uh, dry throughout the summer, you have the possibility of importing more from continental Europe as well. But as Sigmund points out, I mean, that would push prices in southern Norway uh, above what you say see in, in continental uh, Europe. Um, so, so, uh, so, so you got increased flexibility. I think they've been using that by producing more now, exporting to the continent. But you're also able to import more if that is needed. But it comes at a at a price. Of course. So we we'll re- return to that later and talk about the interconnectors um, between Norway and uh, its neighbours. But is there a real threat to security of supply in the coming winter, Sibion? I mean, I, there has been some some slight warnings from from Startnet from the TSO. Yeah, they raised, uh, you know, they have this one to five scale where five is sort of uh, uh, rationing and, and one is normal uh, conditions and now they, they they went from one to two. So, but I would say that um, principally there is no danger to security of supply next winter. As Mario said, the import capacity is is huge. It's large large enough to ensure that there that it's only a matter of price, really. Obviously, prices can be high. And the mm. prices can uh, can sort of uh, sol- solve it. Um, mm. So, but but uh, so uh, you can have a, the dry summer and the dry uh, autumn and 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 very high prices. But as long as you could utilize the the, the you know the the cable uh, capacity, I would say there is no danger to security of supply. I think the reason why Startnet uh, went from one. Uh, to two is, you know, due to sort of the special circumstances we have are having now with the war in in U- Ukraine. Uh, so you know, if if you have this general energy shortage in um, Europe, it potentially could not be possible to import power from mainland Europe, or or at least you you cannot say that uh, that's totally out of the uh, question. So um, uh, yeah, so but 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 uh, I would say under normal circumstances, I would say that there is a fairly low probability that there will be problems with security of supply. Yep, and and Maris, you know this 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 concept of rationing. I mean, is that realistic or is that quite a kind of almost a little bit of scaremongering? Well, I, I mean, I, I agree with, with Sigbjorn here. I mean, under kind of normal circumstances, uh, I don't think we will see that. But uh, there are openings in, in the regulation if, if their security of, of uh, supply is threatened uh, in continental Europe, that you could actually curb flows on, on the interconnectors to, to the Nordics. And, and, you know, if that happens, uh, there might be a, a probability, uh, although small still, uh, for a, for a rationing. And, um, and you can also have faults on, faults on one or more of the interconnectors as well. And I think also that Stutnet pointed to that when they kind of raised the level from, from one to two, uh, some time back. So again, if, if the market works, I, I'm, I'm not too afraid. But if you uh, come into a situation where you uh, you curb the flows from from continental Europe, then then the situation obviously will be more even more strained than than what we've seen. And I think that's 
that's the risk that is there. That's, that's quite dramatic. I mean, obviously, Dartnet has said, uh, has talked about the problems with the Nornet. There's Nornet cable between Norway and the Netherlands is now off, and there, there's there, there's some kind of deep underlying problem that they can't. It's quite hard to to solve. So that's the risk here with these cables. I think they're all kind of you know deep subsea and quite hard to maintain if something goes seriously wrong. But um, Sigbjorn, if I if I can. If I can ask you now, do you think the sort of controversial Nord, Nord Stream link um, that interconnects Norway to the UK, will that come to the rescue here? I mean, we've seen weeks of net imports in the past and, and electricity prices in the UK are, are actually now lower than on, on the continent. Yeah, yeah, you have seen uh, quite significant uh, volumes flowing from UK to southern Norway during May, but... Uh, uh what should I say? I, I'm afraid to say that it's probably quite uh, temporary. You know, <clears throat> UK, they have, due to the low uh, natural gas storage capacity they they have in the UK now after Rug Rough was uh, was closed, there are, they have had much lower natural gas and power prices uh, than the rest of uh, Europe. Um, but um, this will be uh, temporary and natural gas and power prices in the UK are expected to approach uh, mainland the level in mainland Europe, say during October, uh, November, and 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 you know for for coming autumn winter, you should expect power prices in 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 UK to be you know at level with uh, with the, the with the mainland Europe. So so if if uh, you know it's it's a uh, it's a part of the security of supply, uh, but but if 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 southern Norway uh, would is, uh, would continue importing from 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 UK throughout the year and into next winter, it will be expensive for sure. It is not a cheap rescue. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So it's a rescue of sorts, but um, but a very dear one. Um, that that that's fair enough. I mean, I think if I can turn and look more eastwards uh, and turn to to Finland in particular, Marius. Um, you know how how serious the the cuts in uh, Russian power exports to Finland. What are, what are the implications for supply security in the region? And even price and even prices. Sorry. Yeah, I mean it it uh, constituted roughly ten percent, I think, of the of the consumption in in Finland last year. So we co- of course it is a certain volume. Um, it depends a bit on on the Oikiloto three reactor as well. I mean, uh, that's a reactor we always say it's uh, a few months uh, ahead, and and uh, it's proven to be again. I mean, we expected it to to come in now, and I saw it was postponed until until June. Uh, I mean, if it if it comes online, that's a, a significant uh, volume coming into the market, and that will will ease the situation. Uh, if not, of course. Um, Short term, uh, it will be be more uh, difficult in Finland as well, and it will definitely uh, definitely uh, influence uh, prices uh, in 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 the short term. Kind of in in more of the of the medium and longer term, we we now finally see that Finland is really get their wind investments going. Uh, historically, they have had uh, very good support systems with a feed-in tariff some years ago, I think 105 euros, and still we didn't see investments. But over uh, the last year or so, uh, we really see more projects coming online. We see more focus from investors on, on Finland, and that will ease the, the situation uh, in the coming years, I, I think. 
But that's like from 2024, 2025, yeah. or yeah, yeah so, so a few years down the line. Um, but so, Sigmund, if I can tell you, what are your expectations for Olkiluoto 3? When, when do you, you know, uh, see it coming back online? Yeah, well, you you know, when it comes to power prices in Finland going forward, I would say Olkiluoto 3 is the main thing. It's much more important than the, the import from Russia. It, obviously, it, it, it's not a very small thing that... that uh, the, the export the export was halted, but but Olkiluoto three is is the big uh, thing, and you know as Mario say, it's foolish to say that anything is certain about uh, <laughs> Olkiluoto three, which w- w- was supposed to be in operation in two thousand and nine. Remember that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but you know, again today, the second of June, it was a new uh, delay. Maybe just one week, but still, uh, you know, uh, it's still a lot of uncertainty regarding uh, Olkiluoto three. But, but uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I, I would say um, still that uh, stable operation from Olkiluoto three is the most likely development for for this autumn and coming winter. You, should, you, you uh, again, you can never be certain about it, but but it looks still. To be the most likely situation, and and then you know, F- Finland is okay, or, or more more than that. Finland can, you you, you will see power prices in in Finland dropping sharply immediately after Olkiluoto three comes into operation again, which is today uh, expected for the twenty first of June. You know that 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 for sure can be delayed, but 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 uh, that that's the the latest information today. So probably safe to say Q4 will be definitely online, but maybe Q3 sometime. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the general expectation out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So is is there a is there um a chance maybe that Finland will need to import power from Estonia, which is there, which is producing uh, power from oil shale with very very high CO2 emissions? I mean, is is that a likely scenario maybe in in the in the coming weeks or months, uh, Sigbjorn? No, not 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 coming weeks or months. You know, if if uh, import from Russia stays at zero and Olkiluoto three is out of operation, I would say uh, you you probably would see Finland need import from Estonia in periods, not not substantial amounts, but 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 basically, um, uh, you know, there is also a lot of wind power. Um, coming in 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 finland uh, going forward so so i would say uh, a lot needs to go wrong uh, to to use that word before you you would see finland in need of heavy import from from estonia going forward yeah and these very highly polluting plants but uh, maris if i can turn to you and ask you know we've discussed these very very high prices in certain regions in the in the nordic area does this indicate uh, you know uh, a certain level of profitability for nuclear power, and is do you, could that make a comeback in the region? Um, well, it's 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 difficult to say. I mean, in, in Finland, you you now see the opposite with the uh, the reactor that was planned for uh, for the late twenties or early thirties, uh, were owned by uh, Rosatom partly, and and that's now been been shelved. Uh, we see that all these projects, I mean, Oikiloto is ex- extreme, but anyway, I mean, all nuclear projects take time uh, to complete. Uh, what we've seen in Sweden is that when we've been more talk about 
those smaller reactors where you can kind of build everything in a, in a factory. I mean, small in nuclear is a, a couple of hundred megawatts, so it's it's sizable, but uh, that's more closed system and hence uh, more safe as well uh, and easier to build. So so that's an option you can see. I, I'm, I'm don't foresee that for uh, for the coming ten years or so, but uh, long term could be an option. Because especially given the the outlook for demand in the region, so um, if I can just sort of round up uh, or come to a, come to a close here by asking you, Sigbjorn, about we've talked about the very very high prices certainly in in southern southern Norway. But you know, northern parts of Norway and Sweden have very, very low prices. And uh, what what are your expectations here? Will they continue to see the prices around uh, twenty euros a megawatt hour in the in the in the coming months and and into into Q one next year? Yeah, maybe. May twenty uh, is maybe a bit uh, too low, at least when you look into the autumn and and winter. But but the overall uh, situation is that uh, you know uh, power prices will remain. Most likely will remain low in the northern zones for for uh, for years. You know the 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 power surplus is is uh, big and growing. It's still quite or a lot of wind power coming into operation in yeah in northern Sweden res- uh, the next say eighteen uh, months. So so you know this 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 power surplus will only grow and. Uh, uh, and 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 there is still years until you see this uh, increase in transmission capacity from from north to south in in Sweden. So I would say it's quite clear that uh, prices in the northern zones will remain low for years. And and, and you, as you mentioned consumption and, and slowly but but surely you will see uh, consumption growth sort of eating up the production surplus. But surplus, but that takes takes time so uh, so i would say um, yeah still three four five years with low low prices in, in the northern zones is the most likely uh, situation really maris do you do you share this i mean do you, and maybe this could provide a very good signal for for industry to, to relocate or you know to to the yeah i totally subscribe to that and i i think you know in in our forecast we we foresee uh price differences between northern and, and southern parts of of the nordics uh until like the late 20s until we actually get that uh, we strengthen the net uh the grid uh from north to south in sweden and, and the same in norway of course that can also be be delayed uh and we definitely see that I don't think we will see relocation of industries, but we will see more new industry uh, locating in, in the northern part of, of uh, Norway, in the northern part of Sweden as well. Um, we've seen a lot of projects already. Of course, the uncertainty is large on on what you know which of these projects will actually be be realized and and how fast. But I think we we will definitely see an uh, an growth in demand in the northern zones. Uh, both in Norway, uh, but also also in Sweden, where you have the fossil free steel, for example, that could uh, could be in a lot of TVH extra consumption. Um, and and you know, with with the system we have with price areas, that's the the signal it gives and and should give, and and hence uh, it, it's it's wise to to locate there at least at least for now. Uh, but you you have to have a long term view as well if you uh, establish a battery factory or uh, a fossil free steel plants. You are you are thinking uh, 20, 30, 40 uh, years ahead. 
Absolutely. So it's very much a, a tale of two different regions in, in the Nordic area. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining the Monto Weekly Podcast this week. Thank you. Thank you. So, listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Monto Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or you know, let us know if you if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you.